In this episode of the Music Bed Podcast, we sit down with director Young Replicant, a.k.a. Alex Takis. Known for his high concepts and visual poetry, he's directed music videos for artists like Lord, Alt-J, and Flying Lotus. He's also worked with brands like Sprite and Adidas. I think the style can be the message. The content is, it's not irrelevant. It has to be sort of suited. It has to be integrated. But the style can be transcendent. This podcast is a production of Musicbed, the standard in music licensing for film, TV, and advertising. To create your free account today, go to musicbed.com. Well, dude, thank you for allowing us to come into your home. Yeah, well, I'm humbled, flattered. Thanks for... (laughs) I don't know too much about your beginnings. Do you have family in the industry at all? Like, what what would your come up? So, um, my dad's a director. Um, What's your dad's name? Tibor. Tibor Takis. He made a movie um, in the 80s called The Gate. There is a passageway to the most evil place you can imagine. A gate behind which the demons wait to take back what was once theirs. Sounds like a horror movie. Yeah. Um, for kids. Um, he did a Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Joan Hart is Sabrina. The teenage witch. My uncle is a rigging gaffer. My aunt is a makeup artist and wardrobe person. So, like, kind of always had, like, and my mom used to be a production manager until she had me. So, I don't know. There was sort of, like, it was just always around, you know? Like, I don't, I didn't, it's weird. I didn't have that sort of, like, teenage rebellion phase where I wanted to, like, do something completely different. I think, um, yeah, for whatever reason, I just fell into it. But I think, if anything, it just sort of showed me like that it is like a possibility. And like growing up, like my dad had a sort of, I always sort of credit this as being somehow formative for me, but like a like a complete collection of Cinefax From magazine. From the primitive era of Millie's to the modern day, this series will draw back the curtain and focus a spotlight on the men and women behind the most amazing moments in film, the effects artist, the cinemagician. Blue screen, puppeteering, you know, uh, silicone and, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. So, like, I was really sort of seeing those photos of people, like, working on these, like, monster movies or sci-fi movies, like, that, that kind of, like, stuck with me. Yeah, I can imagine being super young it's like especially if you get to get on set at some point it it feels like just the coolest thing in the world yeah you know yeah it's just a magic atmosphere yeah you know and it's like as a kid there's just kind of like there is a sort of a magic going on where the norms or like the rules are sort of suspended you know and you can really you especially when you're young you really and you're not really involved you can really feel the sort of the energy, the focus of everybody on this like singular task. I grew up in New Orleans. There's like obviously a ton of music and stuff. So it is like inherently you just start playing music very early on. It's weird how like your, your surroundings do sort of like inundate you with like, this is who you're going to be a little bit. Yeah. Unless you, like you said, you kind of rebel for a season where you're like, I'm going to, do ceramics or something yeah <laughs> but you still end up coming back yeah that's the, the trick is like even you think like the far the faster you try to run away from it yeah. the quicker you get 
to, you know, you get sucked back in or yeah. you sort of end up where you were trying to run away from, I think. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Something that I really admire about your work is it feel, felt like from very early on, at least when I started seeing your stuff, it, it felt like there was a, like you had already sort of articulated your voice in cinema. Right. Is there anything that you can recollect about sort of maybe how you got there so fast or or anything like that? It's like me asking you, like, why are you you? No, <laughs> well, I know. I just, I think like, oh, I was, I was thinking about this yesterday that like cocky 18 to 25 year old is gone, but you know, the wise man hasn't arrived yet. Yeah. And I'm in this like sort of strange stage where like, I don't know what that was, you know, whatever that sort of early kind of, I don't want to say it's like, like it's like a type of hubris. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's always an, a part of it. It's like you think you'd like, oh, yeah, I know it's cool. Like that, we're going to do it this way. And it's like, you know, whatever. You just have like a confidence that yeah. slowly gets replaced by technique, hmm. which is like a, a something that I also think about a lot is that how you, you sort of that there's that sort of first blush where you're kind of like it all it's all intuitive. It's all this just raw kind of instinctive working yeah and and if you're lucky enough to have success with that first blush then you spend the next 10 years trying to sort of codify that mm. those instincts into a technique or into a style and you because you want to you want to repeat that you want to like pin it down and be able to like pull it out of your toolkit whenever you want and of course as a, you sort of learn that it's like it's not really possible I mean, it is, but it takes a long time. It takes 10 years. Even if you sort of manage to, to kind of like internalize some of those early, I don't know, lucky right. things, like it's never going to be the same. And you have to find new ways of like making that luck again. Yeah. Have you sort of gotten close to that at all in any way? Um, I mean, found I, some technique that you're like, this is... This is it, kind of. Yeah, I mean, I think the technique is to, like, never settle on a technique. Like, I think the style is can be the message. Mm -hmm. The content is almost, like, it's not irrelevant. It has to be sort of suited. It has to be integrated. But the style can be that sort of, can be transcendent. You know, like, this, I feel like that's how genre operates. Like, really beautiful genre work is, like, well... It's like we know the story and the content maybe isn't so like deep or interesting, right. but then it's like this, the way that you, it's the style that the yeah. language that expresses something about it's what, how you really feel yeah. as an artist. Do you remember the last time we talked? Mm -hmm. You told me one time you were like, if I need to communicate something about the story through an object, like I've lost. Like if, right. if, the, if the object itself, if the story depends on the object itself. Right then I've kind of like lost uh, or like it's not, it's too complicated at that point. Right. I mean, do you still feel that way? Like, I don't know if I believe that anymore. <laughs> see, like, like all those. It's those, just two years ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, see all those like rules and those sort of like certainties. Yeah. I don't know. The older you get, the more of the weirder life becomes, the more sort of uncertain things are early on. Like I guess the major shift over time is like early on those music videos, I would like board them all. Okay. And like every shot was perfect, you know, like you know, not only boarded, but like shaded in, you yeah. know, like totally 
you know, which is obviously like the coward's method. Um, <laughs> but but I think when you're starting out, it's kind of, you know, an important, yeah. it's an important tool to communicate with people and to, of course, yeah, you know, um, but then as I, as things go on, like I still do like little boards, like little thumbnails, but I, I definitely don't spend as much time and, um, or I only do the boards like once I've been to the locations, so it's like something else I'm kind of like the look, I spend more time at the location now than before, I guess. Yeah. Like, and this is something I'm always like insisting on. And like dragging the DP out with me like three or four times to the shooting location before we, before the text got. Obviously you have uh, a goal in, in, in terms of like the story you're trying to tell, but do you have like literally nothing planned and you guys are discovering it as you're there? There's a, there's a little plan, like a, I mean, there's a vision there's like a, there's a glimmer of something. I try to stay as like open as possible. And this is something like I don't, I've, I've not mastered, you know, and I still grip onto those, you know, you, you sort of fall in love with, or not even in love, but you hold on to some idea because it's like in the chaos of the production, yeah. these little ideas become like, it's like a safe, like a life vest. And you're like, if I, if I lose this little kernel or this like stupid thing that I'm tripped up on, you know, I'm going to get swept away. I kind of use like an, uh, like a biological metaphor for mm -hmm. this sort of process where like, like the idea you need to be open to like epigenetic change. What does that mean? It's sort of like in, when environmental factors can unlock certain genes that might've been dormant gotcha. before. So it's like, you have to sort of build the, build it into the idea a kind of a, a sort of a, a resilience or a robustness so that when you when the vision meets reality it right. doesn't just explode or fall apart that's so true man and i don't really know how to do that yeah. like how do you build that r robustness i mean it has to start like certain i don't think like the more robust an idea is the better an idea it is i think it's really delicate ideas that you know you blow and it just falls apart like that can be beautiful too it's just when it comes to filmmaking, you kind of have to, it needs to be a little bit tough to survive the, like the process of, of meeting the road, you know? Yeah. As soon as you get into a production on something that it, it's, it changes two degrees on every side. You know right. what I mean? Like it never stops changing. Yeah. So you don't want to like, if it doesn't have some sort of structure to it or robustness, like you're saying, like it, it would sort of, uh, it would get shaved down in the wrong places and it would feel thin, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And then you'll be like, did I lose that thing that it was, you know, if, if your, if your idea is like contingent on like a color or a, a type of light or something, you know, you're going to get sort of screwed. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you could succeed. It's just like, you gotta be lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your work really does, I wouldn't say go off the rails. A lot, but it is uh -huh. fairly wild sometimes uh -huh. that I'm fascinated with the the brands that you work with where I'm like, I'm watching the work and I'm just like, this is like bold as shit. And I, I can imagine a lot of those pieces um, are hard to describe in a treatment. Let's take a piece of work like, um, where was the rowing, the rowing brand that you worked with? Oh, Ergata. Calls those who've gone off the trail, but are not lost. Everything up until there that I've seen with Regatta is like, 
wood like this, like very sort of warm, like, right. and then you come in with this very sort of like surrealist concept. Like what is the, the pitching process like to, to communicating that? And we sort of pitched, it was like, I, I did make a treatment, but it was like, they had already, I sort of gave them a, a kernel of an, like I was involved so early that like I was, I was sort of part of the agency. Cause it was like three people. Yeah. It was me, uh, Andrew Levy and, Sam Wilkes and we were like just like sort of three man team and that makes it so much easier. Yeah, totally. Um, but they also had to, I mean, to get to that point, there had to be all this trust. I also I directed like a little piece for them, which was more of what you're talking about, just like people like in nice, you know, houses working out and stuff. So like, so like there was that was kind of the first piece of the puzzle, and then. I think Andrew just has sort of built up a lot of rapport and goodwill with them. And then so finally, this was sort of like the big payoff. It's like, okay, now we have this like celebrity athlete and a, a proper budget to do it. You know, what do you guys want to do? We we trust you, you know? So there's that, that never happens. Like that was something I sort of like cooked up on my own outside of the kind of like pitching production company Are model. Are you doing that a lot? Do you find yourself doing that quite a bit? No, I wish. I mean, I, if I could... Yeah, like bottle that I would, because uh, it was it was really. I mean, it's good in some ways, and you you do kind of miss some of the like formalities of the of the commercial job. Like you're you're kind of buffered from certain things, um, and you know when things go wrong with this model, it's like often like you feel personally responsible. Yeah, you know, versus it's like kind of impersonal machine, just like you know. You can blame your production company, but right. <laughs> not not this way. Because, like, basically, I am the production company. Right. So. This podcast is a production of Musicbed, the standard in music licensing for film, TV, and advertising. From indie artists on the rise to leading composers, Musicbed has curated the best roster of musicians for your films. Go to musicbed.com and use the promo code YOUNGREPLICANT to get your first month free on a standard subscription. Are, do you find that your your concepts are rather simple? Like when you are, are you trying to get to something very sim simplistic? I wish, man. But yeah, like I, that's sort of the holy grail, a kind of like unattainable thing for me. They're always complicated. Yeah. That's just how my brain works. And like I've sort of made peace with that over time. The way that I try to come up with ideas is like a very organic kind of process where I'm like, I take one thing and I, look for something that rhymes with that and then I like look for another thing that rhymes and then I try to like push them together and then see what happens and see what like comes out of that so you end up with all this sort of like there's a lot of vestigial elements in the ideas that may or may not be important and it's like up to you to figure out okay there's something interesting here. You can kind of, you feel, you know, it's like you're feeling a little glimmer of something. Like how, how do you, what's the simple backbone of this yeah, yeah, thing? Yeah. You know, at a certain point, your weaknesses become your style, you know, but only you can sort of fail or be weird in, you know, and kind of bad in your like specific way. And this might be one of those things where like, just like not being, not having like the simple kind of the, the simple approach just it's yeah it's one of my like sort of idiosyncrasies i imagine that that is sort of probably one of your calling cards in terms of just like continuing to get whether it's music video commercial or whatever 
is people sort of wanting to tap into that part of it. Do you recognize that at all? Or? This is not something I've mastered either. Like, but I feel like those are the things that you have to like pursue if you want to be unique or like have a sort of special voice or, you know, finding your voice. It's kind of at a certain point you have to like learning to like double down on mm -hmm. whatever that, you know, whatever thing that you think is like, oh, that's weird. No one's going to be into that, you know, or like, this is like too obscure. Make peace with those things. Mm. I started, I've always felt that like, I, it's like, I, I tend to like want to run away from those things. But then it's like, no one else is doing that. I got to do that. Or like, you know, so there is that. Yeah. What is this rhyming thing that you're talking about? What is that? I don't want to blow up. No, 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 like too intellectual. Like when I'm coming up with ideas or sure. like I try to keep it super just based on instinct and feeling. Yeah. Like that series of videos I did for Sam Do mm -hmm. was kind of like, it was like nocturnal communications. Another sort of thing that I've noticed over time is that when I'm writing in my like little journal or my notebook, it's always like the first third of the page is going to have the idea somewhere mm -hmm. in it. I'll have written maybe like two or three pages after that, trying to like come up with anything but that. But it's always that sort of like that first sort of blush of things. And so I think somewhere on that page is like nocturnal communications or like networks of <laughs> desires or whatever, like some sort of like unseen invisible networks. Yeah. And then I thought of like, okay, messengers and then, uh, you know, delivery drivers or, you know, mailmen or like the sandman. And then I thought, okay, so there's like a rhyming scheme where you're sort of like, it's it's like not quite a, syn a synonym, but it feels like they kind of go together, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, totally. I don't know, that's just kind of how I've been able to find my ideas. I bet it helps you not get stuck at all, mm. you know, because those connections are like just right there. It's yeah. not like you're you're writing two pages of sort of dialogue at this point. You're just like getting from here to there and expanding it a little bit over time. If you build a, a sort of a, not a symbolic, I don't want to call it symbolic, but a kind of a, a poetic web, mm -hmm. as you as the process happens organically, it'll just sort of attract other right. things yeah. that are kind of related to it. And then you, by the end of it, you might realize like, oh, wait, that's beautiful. I didn't even think of that or didn't plan that. But like... The fact that you sort of set that up or built that out in the beginning, it just kind of brought in all this extra stuff. It's like a net that you've dragged through yeah, the ocean totally. and suddenly, you know, you've got all this like good stuff. Yeah. I feel like that unplanned thing is, you know, coming from like documentaries. Do you find that that's like part of that? Like, do you? It's the most stressful part of right. it, but it's like the most necessary. Right. Because I think. I've gone into a lot of things with a lot of plans sometimes, mm -hmm. and um, I've never felt worse. Right. But it's like anything else. It's like finding the, I want to have intention, but I don't want to have the execution yet. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like the intention, I think, I mean, you know this, like the intention is kind of everything at some point on like some layer. And I don't mean intention in terms of like goodwill or like, mm -hmm trying to do the best for x or y but it's just like the intention of your exploration you know like if it's right. if it's like going towards a single direction then i can like have fun 
and just like play with that because I know I'm in the box. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. What happens when it doesn't go in that direction? I just go home sad, man. <laughs> <laughs> just go home. Yeah. You try to no, you try to work your way out of it. You try yeah. to dig your way out of it with uh and usually it means like I mean, I've I've had numerous examples of just like I'll have a day where I'll waste a day just like thinking that something was going to pay off and it's just mundane or just like not in the zone or it's just not unique or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you, I usually just say, we're going to call it quits. I need to go home. Right. And then just try and recoup a little bit, you know? And like, but I think the, the biggest thing that helps me is just conversation with collaborators, you know? Oh yeah. Especially with DPs and stuff like, totally. I'll get into a place, especially if it's like a hard day or whatever, where I'm just frustrated and you're just like, why am I, why do I suck? Like, let's talk about this real quick. Right. Like, what's going wrong? Right. And there's this like really nice sort of, uh, you figure things out in those moments. Oh, you yeah. Know? Yeah. I'm big on, I call it like discursive. Like if I could describe my whole process, it's, that it's discursive. What does that mean? Um, well, it's like, and and producers, like my EPs are always like teasing me that like, you know, I'm standing around with like my buddy Frank Mobilio and we're just like, like, Frank, I don't know, what should we do? And he's like, well, I don't know, what should we do? I'm like, well, I don't know, what do you think? And, you know, it's just this like, yeah. and we're just kind of like asking each other questions and until like a producer that sounds like insane. Yeah. And like, oh, these guys, like these guys. But... <laughs> To me, that's exactly how things are done yeah. and how like it should be done. It's not, there's nothing wrong with knowing like what you're after and, and having like a plan that you really want to execute and, yeah. you know, you're really trying for something. But if you're, if you're too confident that that's the only way to do it, I think you're just scared. Yeah. And, and like working from the other, the other word that I would use is like everything you do, everything I do at least is like from a place of doubt. And it's like, which isn't like a, which to me is like a, it's one of those like weaknesses that's like a strength that you're always like sort of pushing it to make it better. Like, well, what if we did it this way? Is this the best way to do it? Yeah. What if we just, you know, what do we think about this way? What, uh, and then we'll like talk about it and then we'll be like, well, if we did it that way, X, Y, Z, maybe that changes the POV of the scene or like, that's not really like. It's not about that character or whatever, you know, like we come up with a good reason to rule it out. Yeah. And of course you can get like lost in that. And at a certain point you got to like, as you go along and if you have a strong collaborator, they're always like pull you back to that like core thing. Yeah. And then the decision making can sort of happen more sort of fluidly, but yeah, always doubting. You're totally right. Cause the doubt, the doubt part is something that a lot of times you feel like you need to get rid of. Yeah. Especially on commercials. Oh, yeah. Especially when there's people watching. You got to pretend, yeah. You got to pretend that you know your shit. Something that I definitely haven't mastered, but it's about creating, you have to like sort of build the, the sort of the structure around yourself to allow for this certain degree of like movement and autonomy. And I think it's like, I like I've never been able to achieve it because I'm always like sort of hanging on to the job by a thread yeah. in, in some way. Like I just, like, you know, I, I barely got my foot in the door. I you know, f- flattered my way into the job or whatever. And then like, that is obviously you're going to be kind of, I don't know if there's nothing wrong with that. You're just kind of like executing. Yeah. But if you really want to like elevate, you build a, an atmosphere of, of sort of like respect and dignity around the director 
where it's like we you have to trust this person to like get the results that you want that are going to mm. be like better than you expected if we if we're allowed to like have room for this kind of stuff that you're talking about yeah. like like not boarding everything to death like not pre-planning it describing it right. you know so so that you because those are the best moments like everyone knows that but it's like you can't tell that to someone who's paying for the day that we're gonna like now it's like ground hour or like now we're gonna try a shot that isn't on the boards yeah, or, you know whatever exactly and you just i mean there's there's a there's you have to sort of build that into the structure like pitch that you make that part of your pitch like this is how i work or maybe and this is like where your reps and your your company can sort of help you if they if they believe in that um they can kind of create that buffer that room for you to play but then um also it's like you got to sell it in the moment yeah. and spin it as something else like which i think i've gotten pretty good at i've always been able to like talk my way out of term papers and stuff is it making <laughs> yeah is it making them sort of believe that it was uh communally decided that now we're gonna do this thing that was actually your idea do you know what i'm saying yeah yeah well it's it's it goes i think it goes both ways it's like you have to make them think that this was everyone's idea and this is the best thing or you can play the other angle which is like you're so excited and so passionate about this like thing you want to try that's a good point you know because that to me has always been my I don't know, not my strength, but like the way that I'm able to sort of communicate that I'm I'm like the right person for the job is to is not by like like talking good on the phone. Like I can't, yeah, you know, like there's, there's people who are like good hype men. Um I'm not a good hype man, but the way that I communicate my enthusiasm is by like going in and like trying to go as deep as possible and showing that I really thought about it. Because even just like now, like this is my very enthusiastic right. sort of self-being. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm I'm a little bit more low-key than mm -hmm. most people, yeah, you know? Same. So like I do have to kind of like sit up and like put my like sort of voice on. I know, <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, like obviously I, I never listen to the call afterwards because no it's way, like dude. so painful <laughs> i do have some eps that will send them to me oh yeah they do and I'm yeah just like why are you do no, yeah why <laughs> like don't i can like like i if if someone offers to like take notes on it i'll yeah. definitely do that yeah because then i don't have to like listen to it have you found that your uh your treatment writing process has changed over the years definitely i mean it, it's it's like matured i think i yeah i used to be kind of like ugh, i would like write a lot and it would be sort of wordy and kind of like, you know, I'd try to be really thorough. And now it's like I'm just trying to strip it down, to yeah. keep stripping back. Like nobody likes to read. I like to read, but nobody, you know, reading a treatment wants to see a big block attack. Yeah. Like, and it's sort of, it took me a really long time to like sort of come to terms with that or accept that. That's sort of the reality. Make it as simple as possible, but still... You know, you want to sound good. You want it to flow nicely. I'm, I feel like people have told me like, oh, yuck, your treatment's really well written. Because I never like work with like a treatment writer. It's just like too, I find that too difficult. Like you have to end up doing more work to like, you know, or revisions or to communicate what you, you know, it's just it ends up being like too much trouble. But I mean, maybe that's why I've like won a couple of the jobs that I did 
was based on like a good, well-written treatment. But I mean, I feel like at a certain high level, the treatment is just a formality. Sure. And that would be the, the kind of goal yeah. is to like be at that place where you can just like, you know, write like a couple, <laughs> an Word document and send yeah. it off and people, you know. When did you decide to go with Young Replicant? And like, when, when was that a thing? Was it conscious of a, a decision of like, I want to kind of remove myself from, you know, whatever you want to call yourself, the brand of whatever your identity is, you know? Yeah. I mean, the origin of the whole thing was uh, a YouTube contest for M83. It was like a music video. You you made it and submitted it on YouTube. And then like he chose whatever. My best friend, who's also director Joe, we like teamed up we like got a bunch of our friends together and we like made this like goofy thing and we won the contest and then but we had to submit i remember it was like we needed to like make a youtube account yeah and it was like well neither of us had one so we we're like oh we should we need a name it's got to be some cool name and we were just like it was like coming down to like the last like hour that we could submit yeah. you know and so we we're just like i don't know just whatever and we we just like chose this name that we weren't like totally happy with, but I don't know, maybe it was, was kind of fine for now. Um, always with the intention of changing it. And do, you, do you kind of enjoy the, the mystery of it now? Yeah, I mean, that was sort of like probably where it came from at the time. I think it was like really cool to be like super mysterious in like 2008 or in 2009. <laughs> there was like a kind of a, I don't know, it was like animal collective or like, yeah, there's like being a, a sort of creative collective was like a really, Sort I remember of in dude. vogue totally. thing and and like that was also appealing to me a kind of like faceless you didn't know exactly what yeah. what was involved or who was involved but um there was this one artist called I am who am I am I like it was like sort of a Swedish electronic I don't know if she's Swedish but um maybe uh released these videos that were like totally mysterious and like nobody knew like where they came from and like it was just to me that was like the most exciting thing that ever happened on youtube and i think that must have like somehow kind of influenced it totally is there something that is sort of other than writing and stuff like mm -hmm. is is features kind of like the long game for you like is that sort of what you're looking to move into next and how does it look right now i don't think the path is like as clear as it used to be you know, to go from like, you know, but even when it was kind of, it was possible or seemed like that was like a, like you start, you do this kind of work because you think like, oh yeah, this is like a fun thing to do. And then you like go do a feature, but you can kind of get stuck. Yep. Um, and it's almost better just to start. I mean, obviously grass is greener. There's like probably people like who have only done sort of lived in kind of a feature narrative short festival world yeah. who are like, wow, it'd be so cool to do a commercial. It's so totally. cool to do a music video. And I've definitely met those people, um, you know, and I'm like the music video guy. Yeah. And they're the like <laughs> European festival rats. And, you know, it's like two different worlds, but we like, you know. I mean, you did just do, um, was it Seven Faces of Jane? Yeah. With uh, Julian Acosta and, uh, but it was put on by, um, it was, was it Roman? Roman Coppola, Roman Coppola. And Director's Bureau, yeah. What was that like? like what was that project sort of? What was the experience for that? My buddy Chris Chang, who's the music video EP at Directors Bureau, I went to UCLA with him. He, I think they were looking for the last person on the seven directors, and he hit me up. 
and was like, yo, do you want to do a short for, you know, a 12 page short for this like thing? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, I approached it as sort of an experiment. It was, it's not my like artistic statement, you sure. know, but it, 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 I felt like I was like, what, what's the most interesting branded thing I could do, you know, in, and I think it sort of succeeds on that level as like its own story or short film. I don't know, maybe, but I think it definitely does something interesting as a kind of branded thing. You guys just went to some festivals with it though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I went to Bentonville, which is where Walmart is. Uh, that's like the Walmart town. <laughs> no way. Very weird place. Interesting. Like Walmart was like the first Walmart. Walton, was there. Yeah. The drugstore uh, was there. But it was like a great experience and I like, it just sort of, there was a few moments on it where I was like really doing a lot of deep sort of scene work with the actors and, you know, I I kind of tried to take it really seriously and I did it like a, made it my like director's book and like a lot of preparation, you know, half of it you throw it out, but like the sort of the deeper scene work, you've kind of done it already. And there was a few moments where you're like, just like playing with the actors. And I'm like, yes, this is what it's this about. Is it, yeah. This is like real filmmaking as opposed to, you know, I don't know, some of the other crap that we end up yeah. in weird situations where it's not like that. Have you had that experience before, though, narratively? Every once in a while, there'll be like a glimmer of, you know, from like working with someone who's like a trained actor. Well, right, yeah. not necessarily. It could be anything, but like where you're, where you're just like trying, you're trying things and coming up with like new ideas and, you know, you strike something that makes it better, you know, and that's like, ah, oh, wow, you feel really good about that, even if you don't use it. Dude, I would, I would even create shorts now where like, just almost as an excuse to just work with more actors, just like, yeah. and even like creating stuff where it's the situation is like made for actors and not so much like a, a visual, a visual like thing, thing, yeah, you know, totally. It's it's hard to to get away from like spectacle. Yes. And like having to you sort of as commercial director, music video director, you're on the hook to create a spectacle yeah. all the time. And like the that's what's sort of nice about getting into these sort of scenes that are more about the performance. You can kind of like it's it's less reliant on you and then you're sort of you're you're trying to bring it out of somebody else. Yeah. And that is its own sort of powerful kind of alchemy that yeah. is it's you know is very challenging but also rewarding, you know, like totally. to to sort of dig into the psychology of people. And the camera's just right here. We're not moving. It's just gonna be right here and it's all about you. Yeah. I need you to, you know, yeah. That's like the simplicity of it is yeah. fascinating. I don't know how that set was in particular, the seven faces of mm. Jane, but I imagine it was very pretty low pressure in terms of like the surrounding sort of sort of about it we still there's still the same shit it's like but like the because we shot it in two days so it's like wow you know 14 pages in two days mine was like 16 pages 15, 17 <laughs> minutes so like yeah i guess it was just sort of a novel experience for me yeah you know you get your little like director's binder and you're like <laughs> looking at the script and you're making notes on it you know and it's like you're kind of a, you're a classic director. You're not running around like trying to be the DP. Yeah. 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 That was, that I was love cool. that, dude. Yeah. Well, I hope you. I uh, hope you get to make your feature soon. I'm sure it would be 
exactly sort of what you what you want it to be. Hopefully. Thanks. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's always a battle, I think. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, appreciate you sitting with us, man. Oh man, thank you so much. On the next episode of the Musebed podcast, we sit down with film producer and festival programmer Drea Clark. She's programmed for festivals such as Slam Dance, LA Film Fest, Bentonville, and Sundance. Certainly, I feel passionately about the films that I program, but I'm also more interested rather than like, oh, this is the most competently made film or it's the most audience friendly. I would rather find something that is flawed, but like, promises massive talent like oh there's such a great perspective here this podcast is a production of music bit the standard of music licensing for film tv and advertising if you enjoyed this episode share it with another filmmaker you know and subscribe to be notified for the next episodes 